0: Hey friends, we've got an exciting program that I want to share with you, our upcoming Climate Leadership Accelerator into the arena. It's designed for those of us who feel compelled to influence climate leadership in our organizations and communities. In the program, you'll deepen your understanding of the systems operating within the climate crisis and connect with an incredible network of leaders, challenge your own assumptions and develop a hopeful framework for action. So head to smallgiants.com.au slash into the arena to learn more and apply.
1: Hey, Dumbo for the listeners. Nice to have your company. I'm Nathan, and I'm starting the new year on the bright lands of the Wadani Noongar people. In the southwest of Australia, I'm here getting a good dose of family time after a year of not seeing them through Melbourne lockdown. I'm excited to share this month's conversation with you. It's with the absolutely delightful and insightful Lucy Peach, author of the book Period Queen. She is a folk singer, performer and a longtime champion of the power of the menstrual cycle. I love the way Lucy talks about the period and the invitation that is present in each stage of that cycle. The conversation was had in October last year for our current issue of Dumbo Feather magazine, which is all about rest and the cycles that we are both part of and a part of us. If you dig the topics that come up in the next half hour, then definitely pick up a copy of the mag, either at your local retailer or online over at dumbofeather.com. Lucy is chatting with our publisher and editor-in-chief, the equally delightful and always on point Barry Liverman.
2: What day are you, Barry? Brilliant
0: question. I knew you were going to ask me.
2: I am day four. Okay. I haven't worked out a way of asking people what day they're on that doesn't sound like it's a test. People are always horrified, like, oh, it's just a way of helping to keep the conversation going. And it also makes me think about what that person might need and where they're at. and mm, It's beautiful. Yeah, I took it as a compassionate question. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, what day are you? I'm day 25. So I've definitely tipped over into the final countdown. Which is what season? So the last phase of your cycle when you're premenstrual is what I call the take phase because your hormones are dropping you're getting ready to let go, and the seasonal equivalent is autumn. So mm, beautiful, leaves are falling, there's fruit all over the ground, it's time to sort of gather before you go to ground again and to kind of collect up whatever's worth saving and to chuck away the rest.
0: Mm, it's beautiful. You know, I'm 42 years old, mother of mm. three, mm. had my period since I was 11, And honestly, when my friend Danielle said, oh, you've got to listen to Lucy's podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I could do with some thoughts about my period because Mm. it's been rough since I've had my last baby. Mm. I had rough periods when I first got my period when I was a teenager and then it all settled down and it actually just, you know, rhythmic, clockwork. Mm. Uh, And so I had a really beautiful rhythmic cycle that was pretty manageable. When I was a teenager, it was hectic. Then I had my babies, all was really beautiful and crazy. And then after my last baby, uh, I was in my mid-30s, then periods after that just got really intense and it was like massive bleed-outs and crashes Mm -hmm. and Mm end-of-the-world-is-nigh periods. I started listening to your podcast. It was so great. Your whole conversation about it is so joyful and playful and useful, so thanks for that. Mm, It's my pleasure, my actual pleasure. My first question that I really want to ask is how's this year been for Mm. you?
2: Look, I think that if you haven't been in lockdown and you haven't got small children and you complain, then you're an (laughs) arsehole. Like everybody, it's been a major adjustment it's just been a masterclass in remembering that you're just a human being actually and however in control you thought you were it was only ever an illusion you know we were so busy and distracted that you can sort of fool yourself quite a lot of the time quite successfully and you're rewarded for for being stuck in that sort of mind trap this has been just a huge reset and i certainly haven't been you know making sourdough or learning French or anything. I've been doing a lot less and actually that was pretty welcomed because I was intending to have a break once I'd finished the book. What's the book called? The book's called Period Queen and it came out on the 2nd of June and I was meant to do a national book tour which I was so excited about but in the end I made this podcast instead which was really fun being able to interview other people about their cycles was really interesting. And I I think there's so much gold there because we're all so different. You know, your cycle's different, my cycle's different. It's different depending on what's going on for you. And to hear what it's like for other people who struggle with different things is so powerful. And it's different over a lifetime, I'm fine. Different over a lifetime. That's right. That's right. And I, I hear a lot of people who are sort of early 40s and feeling that sort of shift on the horizon, okay, right, so I've only maybe got 84 cycles, how do I want to use that? And also how do I want to prepare for the next phase and how do I want to live now that's going to set myself up, which I just think's pretty awesome.
0: It's awesome. I'd love to just give you the stage now because you say it so well and articulate it so beautifully. I want you to tell me about the menstrual cycle and these four unique phases. Tell me
2: about that in your words because I love it. Okay. And I'll just preface most of us learn about the menstrual cycle as something that is on or off. You're bleeding. You're not bleeding. Here's how you manage it, you know, as though it's a problem, you know, which it can be if you don't have the right things to bleed into. And we sort of know, you know, that there are eggs and that it's something to do with reproduction and for all intents and purposes, it's private and you don't really talk about it and here's a tampon, good luck, have a nice life until you want to get pregnant. It's full of shame and misery. Yeah, that's right. It's like it makes other people uncomfortable and even to me, you know, where most people say, oh, this might be too much information and I'm like, probably not. But <laughs> even to me, people say, oh, yeah, or oh, sorry, or... Just the amount of apology that that comes with people talking about the part of their bodies,
0: you know. It's, it's funny, me. you know, I actually I've had a really heavy period, which feels like a funny thing to say out loud to another person that I've only just met. Are you still I, bleeding, Barry, on day four? Yeah, I'm still bleeding uh-huh. and I actually bled on the sheets the other night in bed. Congratulations. First thing that happens is you just feel so fucking embarrassed. I've been mm. with my husband for 18 years. Mm every time you
2: feel embarrassed. So even though you don't bleed on the sheets every time, the potential of bleeding on the sheets and that potential embarrassment stored, that just blows my mind that we're walking around with this potential embarrassment and this apology and this shame, you know, compartmentalised so that you can just go, oh, well, that shame part, that just lives there. I just It's just there and it's all neat and tidy. It filters into everything and that's the part that I think is really interesting is what would it be like to have a generation of bleeders who you know, know how to care for themselves and have what they need but don't have any apology baked into their bodies and leeching into other things that they want to do and be in the world.
0: I mean, one of the things I heard in your podcast as a mother is how we model mm. how it lives in our bodies. Like I've got mm. sons and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I'm super aware, like, so I pulled the sheets off the bed and I pulled the sheets off my little guy's bed because he wet the bed and I bled in bed and both the stacks of sheets were there on the way to the laundry and my eldest son was like, what happened? Did he pee in your bed as well? And he's like, what's happening here? And I just had that shame moment baked in my body where I went, mm. oh, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck in my head. And then I went, no, no, I bled on the sheets. pretty funny, you know, and I just kind of, Mm. Did my best to normalize yeah. the hell out of yeah. that. So if he's with a woman later in his life, he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And that's how that next generation might have the opportunity to have it in their bodies, men and women.
2: Yeah. There's so much opportunity to learn from each other and being okay with blood and being okay with bodies, being okay with emotions, being okay with feeling sad or soft or all of those things or needing to have rest, it's all wrapped up in it. The more you can just kind of be kind to yourself because really acknowledging that that was just, you know, a human thing that happened to me and my body, then you give all of your kids permission to be kinder to themselves and their bodies. Okay, so the cycle, it's been taught in this really reductive way It's only been the physical components that we've focused on. It's really been the blood that kind of gets all the attention when in fact that's just part of it. There's just so much more to it. Within each cycle, there are four phases and they correspond with what's going on hormonally. So men, their main driver is testosterone and every day it's kind of the same. It is a little bit higher in the morning and it sort of tapers off in the afternoon, and it's replenished every night with sleep. But for us, it's over 28 days. We do have some testosterone, but we have estrogen and progesterone as our main drivers. There's so much narrative and crap around it being unpredictable and this roller coaster. And if you compare it to biologically male cycle, then yeah, it might look a bit all over the place. But if you zoom out and you look at a month instead of a day, you'll see that it's really predictable. Yes, there are ups and yes, there are downs, but they correspond with menstruation and ovulation. And once you know where they are, you can plan for them and predict them and you can use them. And it doesn't need to smack you in the face every time because you know what's coming and you know how to take care of yourself So day one, we start at day one and this is the first day that you bleed and your hormones are flatlined. So there's not a lot going on and you're really at the beginning of yourself and a whole new month. And... It's long been encouraged that you can do anything and be anything all the time and do whatever you want while you're bleeding. And you can, you know, you can run a marathon and do all the things that you want or need to do when you have a period. But it also is your opportunity to fill your tank for the month ahead. And if you do push through this phase, I call it the dream phase, which isn't to say that you spend all week on the couch dreaming and meditating, but it's just being okay, not giving a hundred percent. For those four days or five days, or whatever it is, it's just surrendering to the fact that you are a little bit slower and softer and that is okay and this is the time to look back over the month that you just had, to think about the month ahead, to think about what you want to grow and give life to and to really take stock and to just love yourself up and really take care of yourself and know that you're depositing goodwill for your body, mind, soul, spirit for the month ahead. And a lot of cultures believe that at menstruation you are really closer to your deep psychic self and this is when you're more likely to have insights and are able to really connect to your sort of truest truth.
0: How important is rest in that season? And you call that season? The dream phase. And it's winter.
2: Yeah, rest is really important. and You need more sleep. Your tolerance to pain is lower. You're more sensitive and it's really just giving yourself permission to say no to more and say yes to yourself.
0: That's a big counter-narrative to the one that was kicking in five years ago with Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. Mm. We're doing this whole issue of Dumbo Feather is on rest, which seems to be the right thing to talk about at this point because the only way we can recover the economy and recover the world is to get back on the treadmill and work our asses off and Mm. consume and take. And I think that the idea of feminism was that we would run at the same pace, at a masculine pace or at a global economic pace and lean in as a thesis was saying to women, you can have it all, you can do it all, Mm. you just need to lean in because you're not leaning in far enough. And, of course, it must be a more nuanced conversation Mm. around what are we leaning in to I talk a lot about and think a lot about the next economy. Maybe it's not even economy, but the next operating system. Like, how are we going to do this? Be within the bounds of the planet and towards human flourishing. What systems that going to be? And when you talk about a cyclical, seasonal, biological, sensitive, mm-hmm. nuanced, rhythmic, mm-hmm. leaning in, well, that then is a whole new conversation because productivity is not with a capital P, very hard to get through the four seasons without having very big philosophical and and practical conversations. But just talking about first season, which I'm in right now on day four, I love having permission from another woman to be slow and soft and reflective and sensitive and say no to more and say yes to myself. How could we do that without shame embarrassment and a sense that we're letting down the team because Mm. we're not running on the treadmill. Mm.
2: I guess it really takes faith. That idea that if you take your foot off the accelerator, everything's going to fall apart is so ingrained. But the idea that if you see this week, this dream phase when you're bleeding as a time of investment, You know, you look at a farmer, they know that they can't just constantly pull things from the ground and pump things in and expect it to keep yielding and that you've got to have times of being fallow and you've got to have times of restoring and you don't begrudge the earth that need because that's what it needs to put really good fruit out. When I really broke it down to my partner and explained and showed in practice how You know, if I've had enough rest in that dream phase and I've really cared for myself and I haven't gone to look at the house your brother wants to buy in Scarborough in half an hour because I'm tired and I need to have a rest. When I come to week two and I'm pre-ovulatory and I'm ready for my energy spike, I'm going to get an energy spike and I'm going to get more energy because I've invested and I've created you know, the possibility to have more energy. And then when I'm post-ovulatory and I'm feeling really generous and connected, I'm going to have more for him. I'm going to have more for my family. There's going to be more to go around because I've made it. I've fed it. It's still a bit woo-woo for mainstream, I guess. And I think that's kind of the great thing about 2020 is that everything's up for consideration now. Everything's on the table to be thrown off the table. We're kind of like Oh yeah, Why do we do that and and why do we work five days a week and why do we sit in cars for two hours a day when we could be doing it at home? We're getting smarter. We know that we've got a compost and have solar panels and four days a week is maybe more productive than five days. All right, so let's get back to phase two. When you finish bleeding, your eggs are starting to get ready to prepare for ovulation and you're producing estrogen. And so this estrogen spike is really, it's like a metaphorical mountain and provided you do get enough rest and slowness, when this comes, it can be pretty dramatic and just sort of wake up and be ready to hit the to-do lists. And so I call this the time to do because you're getting ready to ovulate and it's typically considered the most masculine time of the cycle because it's bookended by a little shot of testosterone. And you are superhuman this week. For a lot of people, this is where, yeah, you're faster, stronger, yeah.
0: If I'm honest, I just want to be phase two all the time. Yeah. I, I
2: just are. want to be phase two all the time. That's right. And the world wants you to be phase two all the time and you get rewarded for being in phase two all the time because you can slay and we're so conditioned to, to feel like this is the real you and then it can be pretty devastating when that feeling fades. You know, I was thinking about this recently in terms of, you know, the imposter syndrome idea and just wondering how many people with periods get that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go and, I'm and I can do 20 things at once and da and your brain's just on all cylinders and then it fades because it does and then because we don't understand what that is or know what that is, wondering if that's tied into feeling like, oh, yeah, I thought I was nailing it, I thought I was really good but actually it was just a fluke. And it was just this passing thing that isn't something I can really own. And in phase two, it's really about stepping up and speaking out and, you know, taking up space and being powerful and hearing your voice and just really being brave and just coming out of that cave after menstruation and having the permission to be a bit smaller and quieter and slower and then unfurling and not being afraid to be as big as you are. So then what do you do about all that work that you put out in the
0: world that might come mm-hmm. when you need to disappear? It's like there's no allowance for it in the
2: culture. No, no. And and I think any project benefits from having some time to cogitate and some time to reflect and some time to really do some big picture thinking on the direction and the approach and the strategies and the people and you were just constantly slaying all the projects in your life and the people in your life don't get the benefit all the parts of you that are really valuable and when we're just so hooked into slaying being the only currency of value then everything misses out
0: what you're saying is just beautiful so moving Oh, thank you. and all the parts of you are really valuable it's a thing that we all really need to hold
2: in looking at this stuff, it can be really confronting because you have to then go, oh, I've fucking rejected a big part of myself. The world has rejected a big part of who I intrinsically am as a human being with a woman's body and a cycle. And I think skipping one phase ahead to the last phase and the take phase. That's, for me, why I think there can be so much rage because deep down, we know that we're valuable at all times of the month and that we have gifts to give that are really necessary and important to our families and nature and the world. And it's so exhausting and it's unfair. All right. Phase three. Come on. So then once estrogen peaks, you get this little shot of testosterone and that's what tips you over into ovulation. And then that brings us to the third phase. Once you ovulate, you start producing progesterone, which is also known as nature's feel-good hormone. And when you think about the word, you know, it's pro-gestation. So many people learn about menstruation as it being only valuable in terms of having a baby, which is also really reductive because most of the time you have a cycle and you ovulate, you're not going to use that for a baby. But that energy, that pro-gestation energy, wanting to grow things and care for things and nourish things is really valuable in all different parts of your life. And so when you think about biologically why we ovulate, it's to connect and procreate and continue and be expansive. And so it makes sense that your capacity for communication and connection and collaboration is really at an all-time high. I call this the give phase because this is when you've been storing up all that energy, you've been building towards this summit, and now you are here. You're at the top of this mountain of yourself and you're really just ready to sing your own praises. I think this is a really important time to just create some space for joy and playfulness. One thing that I really love doing in this phase is I'll make a cake on the weekend and then I'll just say to whoever's in my immediate circle, I've got this strawberry cake, come over anytime between one and four on a Sunday. I want to be open want to enjoy the goodness of my life and to really feed those relationships and connections and I'm coming for cake especially if it's in WA. Yes, come for cake. Come for cake. <laughs> So yeah, it's the time to give. And I think it's a time when you just feel like you have the world on a string and you just can feel like everything is possible and everything's a bit more wonderful and rosy and the urge and desire and need to say yes to things is really, it's right there, you know, and is that summer? Yeah, yeah, summer. That's right. Everything's come to fruition, and you're just enjoying the fruits and sharing them. And even when you look at what's going on with your cervix, it's more open. It is literally more open, which is like wow, portal between the outside world and your innermost self. All the channels are open. You are ready to receive. You're ready to give. It's so beautiful to talk about
0: the seasons in our bodies and the seasons in the world, and Mm. to talk about. You said something beautiful about the earth. We don't begrudge the earth. It's mm. rest periods and it's abundant fertile capacity mm. and to think of that as the female body, the female body as the earth, the Indigenous of this country always said we are country we care for country because we are country and our proximity to that just requires our attention.
2: That's the thing. It's as simple as that. It requires our attention. Maybe also permission though because
0: we can put our attention on things in all kinds of fucked up ways. And so the quality of our attention
2: is also held by the community. And the community is important too. Chris Bobel has written a couple of books around exploring period poverty. Basically, she's challenging this idea that we solve the problem of menstruation with a fluffy white pad. And that actually the problem is not menstruation, it's the way the community perceives it. And that if girls felt safe to wash their cotton squares and put them out in the sun to dry without people judging them, then there would be no problem. She talks about this need to have a 360 degrees of positivity around girls and people with periods because we are not the problem. We didn't make this problem by ourselves and if we don't have everybody involved and part of the conversation, then you're in an echo chamber. We do live with men and boys and work with them and share lives with them. It's really important that they understand this and can be part of enjoying the flow and the ebbs of where you're at and and what you need.
0: Yeah, once again, it's the beloved men in our lives advocating Mm. with us,
2: alongside us. And just that conversation, my son, he's 14, he's grown up hearing me talk about this forever. I remember when we were in New Zealand visiting my dad in February and I was just finishing editing of the book and he was like, "Mom, come to the river. And I said, no, no, I've just got to do it. And he was like, mum, I know your day two. I think you're burning the candle. And I was like, "Oh, oh you're right.
0: Yes, you're right. Yes. Well, actually, I, I had also a beautiful moment with my eldest, my son. I'll never forget it. It was so sweet. I told him I had my period. I said, you know, I'm feeling really rough. I'm, I'm sore and I'm tired and I'm bleeding. I just need to go to bed and I'm, I'm not feeling great. And then a month later, he said something to me. Oh, mum, let's do this, whatever. I said, oh, darling, I've got my period. And he said, again? <laughs> again and I went oh yeah yep every month every four weeks it'll roll around yes. again. <laughs> and it was just so sweet for that moment yeah on his face when he went what do you mean yeah yeah and and that the way that dropped into his consciousness but it reminded me as well you know
2: it's big yeah that's right that's right point. and and he can see that it's big All right, phase four. Okay, so the great thing about being in the give phase after you ovulate is that everything's possible and you want to say yes to everything and you can for a while but you do need to be careful that you don't blow your budget because if you skid into the final phase on empty, then everything that's difficult about being premenstrual just gets cranked up to 11 And then there's a knock-on effect. It's like every phase is preparing you for the next. Once you've ovulated, you've got a lot of progesterone. You also get like a top-up shot of estrogen and you're riding high. And then it comes down. It's a pretty steep decline and it can feel like rugs being pulled out from under you, that your whole life is shit, that your partner is shit, that your children are annoying, that everything is just trying to punish you. What's this phase called and what season is it? So when you're premenstrual, I call it the take phase, you can look at the cycle in two halves. It's also like the moon, you're going from nothing to something to everything and then back to nothing again. When you ovulate, you're at the peak and then you're giving and then you're coming down and you've got to take. You've been putting out emotionally, physically, energetically, and you now need to take what you need in that last journey before you menstruate again. you go to ground. So typically it's time alone, it's less pressure from other people. The book that got me onto all of this stuff was called The Optimised Woman by Miranda Gray and she calls the premenstrual time the creative phase. I was a musician starting out in my career and I thought that's pretty cool. Instead of cleaning the skirting boards with a toothbrush and trying to power on and be the emotional bum wiper of everybody, I can actually just use that to be creative and I can use that to write songs.
0: I love how the book that inspired you to go on this journey was The Optimised Woman because the word optimised is almost like a machine word. Yes. And this conversation is the optimised meaning the most compassionate the kindest way we can be with each other. And I have to say, of course, we're talking about deep, rich, optimum ways of being with oneself. So I actually feel like I'm on drugs. when yeah. the yeah. comes. I feel like I'm on a concoction of hormones and you feel that's drugged.
2: That's why it's so great to channel that into creativity because it is really interesting. I love performing when I'm premenstrual because I feel like mm. that's when I'm the most irreverent. And I don't really care about making people happy or what does the crowd think. I am being with my own magic right now. It's so much easier to just Hmm. do that to the world around you and be with that. If you never got in touch with that part of yourself, it's just such an opportunity. I think as well as blood being really shamed, so are the emotions attached to having a menstrual cycle. We're all really familiar with the whole, it's just my hormones and dismissing whatever comes with that phase because, of course, it's stupid because I'm premenstrual, so nothing I say needs to be taken seriously. To say nothing of,
0: by the way, any woman reading this, a man who um, no longer is getting their period and that downward trajectory of hormones towards menopause, but just that devaluing of of the feminine on yep. of women
2: yep. along the course of our seasons. It, there's a beautiful quote that really has informed so much of what I do and it's a Native American quote. At a woman's first bleeding, they meet their power. In their bleeding years, they practise their power and then at menopause, they become it. Oh, <gasps> i got shivers. How cool is that? Because every cycle you're practising how to dream and be soft and slow, how to do and be big and strong, how to give and be generous and abundant, how to take and really be with your own magic and care for yourself and over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then once you become your power, you don't need the blood anymore to remind you. You don't, oh. you don't need that because you've you're there and it's all cooked in within you. I had a letter from someone a little while ago and her mum had read the book. She's 63. And she said, I still get the phases. And she condensed them down and put notes about what she does and, you know, when she likes to pray and when she likes to garden and when she likes to make tea for so-and-so and all the things that she does. It doesn't go away. You know, it's still in us. Lucy, I love you. If we never
0: spoke again, you have given so many gifts in Aww. this one
2: conversation. That, that gave me shivers. It makes me excited to be older because I just think if uncovering all this stuff around the menstrual cycle can be so good and so empowering and so liberating and so freeing, then what is next? And there's just so much crap around our bodies, the stories around our bodies that I don't believe it. It's actually a bit of a miracle to think of things in the way that you're framing them and Well, I'm certainly not the only one. I mean, it's so important to just keep finding ways to make this information accessible to everybody.
0: Yeah. Tell me, um, what is your ancestry? Who are your ancestors?
2: Well, my dad's family are from New Zealand and so that is my other home and I lived there as a teenager. I was so grateful to have time there as an adolescent. My mother was born in New Guinea where my grandmother lived. When I was talking to my mum about how I've come to be on this path, she had me when she was 18 years old and my dad was in India. She had this best friend and her mother really took her in and looked after me and her. And she was a nurse and she was a feminist and she had all these sort of feminist friends and she gave my mum all of these books and she really empowered her. And I remember being a little girl at school and and talking about the vulva. This would have been in 1988. It's just incredible how sometimes the people in your life aren't your family, the ones that really help you get on that path of
3: Mm.
2: wherever it is you're meant to be. So I'm really grateful to her, Maxine. So this, what we're talking about, which is the deepest, most sacred,
0: beloved self, there's a way of doing that that's beloved mm. and there's a, an epoch of humanity that we're walking into pretty blind where I don't know what choices our children are going to have.
2: I was speaking to a, a dance teacher who has, you know, hundreds of girls every week and she said, oh, you know, I might start talking to them about where I'm at in my cycle and just saying, I'm day two, so we're not going to go too hard tonight, starting a conversation. And she said to me, I can't believe how many of them get their period, go on the pill, and then just skip the period. And they're empowered because they're on the pill. Where do you go with that? I just keep coming back to this idea, though, that we're also disconnected from cycles and seasons and living in a way that is connected to nature and how that disconnect between what's going on in your body and how you are in the world is so played out through puberty and that rite of passage of growing up and becoming an adult. We're so conditioned to be disconnected from ourselves and from this huge part of our body, you know, our cycle, and that that then sets up this thing where you're more easily disconnected from your intuition. I just have this fantasy that if girls and people with periods were able to tap into their cycle and be like, I'm day two, I need to rest more. I'm day seven, I need to go for a run. I need to start my assignment. Or I'm day 13, I want to connect with whoever. That then is this embodied practice in being connected and listening. So that then later on down the track, they are a bit more protected because they've practiced listening and tuning in and giving themselves what they need. That, that's my hope.
1: How good is Lucy? So much juice from that peach. Thanks to her and Barry, and thanks to the guys at Cheshire Audio and Yaga for doing such an ace job of the edit, as always. Lucy has a book and a podcast out, which you should definitely get across. Both of them are called Period Queen. And she's also got some rad music on iTunes and Spotify. I'm going to leave you with one of her tracks, which I've been loving. It's from her latest EP, and it's called Your Blood Is Amazing. How
3: can it be there? Nobody told me what was written into my bones. Well, maybe I've always known, for far too long, the treasure has been untold. Worse it's been told, what well, we've always known. But we've always known your blood